With prayer, uh, I am the fourth string quarterback, right? We've had Ben Farrow speak before. We've had Rebecca speak before. Um, ben, obviously, is the pastor of this church and the shepherd to all of us. Um, but I want to pray specifically for not just today, but we've got a lot of healing that needs to happen. Um, we've got a lot of healing that we can beg for. And we believe in miracles and what we're talking about, Old Testament miracles. We're talking about water springing out of stuff. We're talking about um, literally water being spread to the side. We're talking about people coming back from the dead. If this is God that we believe in, right, then we can pray for people to be healed from long COVID. We can pray for people to be healed um, from a broken arm. We can pray for people to be healed from chronic pain. So if you could just bow your heads and join with me, I need to open with this. God, we thank you for the human beings in this room right now. We thank you for the adults that are here right now with spirits that are yearning for you, yearning for your Holy Spirit to be in this place. And right now we, we give up our our individuality in this moment to be a church. Mm -hmm. We take this moment to be a church, all of our voices uniting as one, praying for healing for Ben from this nasty long COVID junk that has just been plaguing him for months, for Rebecca for the same thing, for the sicknesses, for the chronic pains that we've heard about from Shaquetta, from Leah, over these months, so many people I'm missing right now. I've had this said about this church, how can so many people be going through so much? And we know it's because there's good hearts in this room and there's attacks that are coming from every single side, spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, it's draining. So God, I ask your Holy Spirit to enter this place. I ask that these prayers are echoed by the prayers of the members of this church this week. God, we can ask for miracles. We can ask for everyone to be healed. For tomorrow, everyone, not tomorrow, next Sunday, everyone to be here. Maybe Monday if people want to show up. But God, we, we thank you for the joy in this room, but we ask for so much more because you are so much more. When Jesus came, he did more than all these Old Testament prophets. He came and people would touch his cloak and be healed. God, you're in this place. You broke, you tore that veil. The covenant is new. We get to enjoy you. So we open this time as I speak. We ask that we're focused in on that and that's on our hearts as we go and talk about miracles. In your name we pray, amen. Um, okay, so I wanted to start by talking about how Ben ended last week. This is important always in teaching, right? And by the way, if I act too teachery, I apologize. It's in my blood, right? So he asked four questions last week. Pray, asking God for wisdom and increased faith. Pray, asking the Holy Spirit to help you understand what the specific miracles you're praying for would reveal about who God is. Pray, asking the Holy Spirit to keep help people become aware of who God is, and pray asking the Holy Spirit, what one thing should I do about this today? So I was thinking of these things, obviously getting a call saying, hey, you know, we're kind of low on people, would you mind speaking, because I've offered before, right? And so I go through this whole process, and the first thing I think, okay, I lead worship, let's try to do something about miracles and how it's tied to worship. So I'm, we're thinking about Jericho, right? And I'm thinking, oh, it's kind of a bummer of a story, right? Go in and it's this miracle of destroying a city. It's kind of, and I'm not, I don't like speaking about bummers. If I'm going to speak once a year, I don't want it to be about something. So it's a good story. You should read it. You should study it. But I just kept thinking, and, and what I love about reading the Bible is sometimes God just keeps drawing you to a new story, to a new story, and then he lets you sit on one. And so he drew me to the story of Elisha, and he just let me sit on that. It's in 2 Kings. And I've, you know, I've read these things, but sometimes coming back fresh and reading it over and over is really helpful. And I found some new things about Elisha. So if you're not familiar with this, this is the prophet 
that followed Elijah. So Elijah, you've probably heard that name before, he was a big deal. And Elisha actually had to follow him, served him faithfully, was kind of just plucked by Elijah. And it's going to get real confusing. I keep saying Elijah and Elisha. But Elisha followed him, served him faithfully, right? And was there present for many of the miracles that Elijah did. Now, Elijah's kind of coming to the end of his time. And Elisha knows it. All these prophets that are hanging out with them, they're all prophets. Can you imagine being in a room with prophets? Sorry. It's, it just blows my mind sometimes. So they're all hanging out, and everyone's like, you know he's going to go, right? Like, you know he's going to be taken from us. And so he knows this is happening. And finally, he's following him, following him, following him. They go place to place to place. And they end up at the River Jordan, which we'll come back in a second. And Elijah is like, hey, what's, you know, I'm, I'm about to go. I'm about to go be with God what's something that you desire? And he asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. There's a lot tied into that. I don't have time to get into specifics. In one ways, it means an inheritance. That was the firstborn's inheritance at that time. But in other ways, it's really cool. Because if you look, um, a lot of scholars have done commentaries on it. And every single time, if they look at the number of miracles that Elijah did, Elijah did double. Right? So some people think it's seven based on their interpretation of the miracle. Elisha did 14. Some people think it's eight. Elisha did 16 based on that same interpretation. So there's cool stuff in 2 Kings. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff that you may have questions about and you should go to bed and ask because it's, it's heavy. Um, but if you really look at it, the miracles he did also all pointed to Jesus. Every miracle points to Jesus. There's really weird similarities between some of them. So first of all, his name means God is salvation. So that points to Jesus. Number two, his ministry started at the River Jordan. If you didn't recognize that, that's also where Jesus was baptized, at the River Jordan. That's when he started his ministry. Um, He fed a hundred with 20 loaves of bread, not as big of a thing as what Jesus did. You'll notice these are all like small in comparison to Jesus, but he suddenly like made these 20 loaves of bread kind of spread out so a hundred could be fed by it. Um, He turns a little bit of oil into a ton of oil. Again, if you know the whole filling the jars with water and wine, turning into wine. He's betrayed by his servant for cash money. I put that in there for the young folks. And he raised someone from the dead, get this, while he was dead. Come back to that. If you want to know real quick, the story goes, he's dead, he's in a tomb, and people were having a party and they had to hide because people were attacking them, so they had to hide the body. So they threw the body in this tomb and that body came back to life. So there's resurrection from the dead counted as one of his miracles even after he was dead. And in his death, right, brings this life. And he also brought someone back from the dead, which we're going to talk about um, today, actually while he was living. So there's two times that that happens. So if you want to read it, this is 2 Kings chapters 2 through 8, and you can read about all of his miracles. But we're going to focus in on one. And the reason why is I was trying to figure out how can we get those three main points those three main points I talked about, right? How can we get to this idea of him wanting that double portion? Can we talk about serving faithfully? And can we talk about how his ministry is pointing to Jesus? And I think in this one story, we can see all three of these things. So forgive my pronunciations. I'm not a biblical scholar. So if I get anything wrong, just let me know. So what do we learn about God from this miracle should be the thought in the back of your head right now. Okay, get that? all the distractions away. What can I learn about God from this miracle? And this is the woman from Shunem. That's the way I'm going to say it. Does anyone know if I'm wrong? Okay, good. I'm going to say Shunem. Shunem. Uh, This is 2 Kings 4, verse 8. 
One day, Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there. She urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I am sure this man who stops from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. One day, Elisha returned to Shunem, and he went to this upper room to rest. I'm going to stop right there. Takeaway number one. The woman from Shunem just wished to serve God and show hospitality. This is a foreboding. We're going to, talk, we're going to read about hospitality and life group coming up. I didn't plan that. She wanted to serve God and show hospitality because he was a man of God. Simple takeaway, right? Okay, I'm going to keep going. Verse 12. He said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her, we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? Let's just think about that for a sec. He's got connections. No, she replied, my family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son and her husband is an old man, a little rough. Call her back again, Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. That's important to know. She did want a son. He wasn't just like, take a son. She was desiring this and say, don't get my hopes up like this. I, I'm, I've found peace in the way that I'm living. But Elisha did that, and sure enough, verse 17, the woman soon became, became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha said. We could stop right there. God blessed her with a miracle. I didn't want to do a picture of a baby, and this was the stock image, so it's a bulldozer. So God blessed her. I'm keeping you awake. God blessed her with a miracle, right? That fact that she had a kid at that age, or at her husband's age, I'm not exactly sure how old she was, but she had already found peace. And she said, oh, please don't get my hopes up. So this was something she desired. She was blessed with the miracle of a son. It's not done. One day when her child was older, he went out to help his father, who was working with the harvesters. Suddenly he cried out, my head hurts, my head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home, and his mother held him on her lap. But around noontime he died. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband, send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. Why go today, he asked. It's neither a new moon festival nor a Sabbath. Again, putting constraints on God, right? But she said, it will be all right. She saddled the donkey. She said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you to. As she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in the distance. He said to Gehazi, look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out to meet her and ask her, is everything all right with you, your husband and your child? Yes, the woman told Gehazi, everything is fine. Let's take that in, right? She wasn't ready yet. He didn't know what was going on. God had not revealed that to him yet. She continues to seek out God, though. She doesn't stop. Even in her darkest hour, she keeps going. She could have stopped there. She, she, there's clearly some hesitation at this moment, okay? Okay. So then she kept going 
And when she came to the man of God at the mountain, this is verse 27, she fell to the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. Gehazi began to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She is deeply troubled, but the Lord has not told me what it is. Then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? Can you hear this pain? Then Elisha said to Gehazi, now knowing, right? Get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. But the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with her. She's still scared. Gehazi hurried on ahead and laid the staff at the child's face, but nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elisha and told him, the child is still dead. When Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. He went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Then he lay down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, and his hands on the child's hands. As he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room once, then stretched himself out again on the child. This time, the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. That's a miracle. This boy was dead. I'm assuming this wasn't like a walk down the street, right? This boy was dead for some time. This points to Jesus, right? I'm sure many of you are thinking of Jesus and Lazarus. This is someone he knew. This is someone who was a result of the miracle. And this woman's heart was hurting, but she still sought out God, even in that darkest hour, right? And God didn't abandon her, right? God did not abandon her. She could have thought at any moment in that journey there or back that it was done, that she got this time, but God did not abandon her in that moment. And he follows up, not just with the child being born, but the child being raised from the dead, a more amazing miracle. So you think right there, there's a cool story. We're going to stop. There's still one more takeaway. There's still one more takeaway. So 2 Kings 8, okay? He's doing some more miracles. A lot of time has passed. And if you read 2 Kings 8, verse 1, Elisha told the woman whose son he had brought back to life, take your family and move some other place, for the Lord has called for a famine on Israel that will last for seven years. So she goes off, right? She goes off, knows there's a famine. She's being taken care of. Famine ends. She returns from the land of the Philistines, and she goes to see the king about getting back her house and land because she abandoned them. As she came in, the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God. You know, happenstance. The king had just said, tell me some stories about the great things Elisha has done. And Gehazi was telling the king about the time Elisha had brought a boy back to life at that very moment the mother of the boy walked in to make her appeal to the king about her house and land. Look, my lord, the king Gehazi exclaimed, here is the woman now, and this is her son, the very one Elisha brought back to life. How about that for a story? How about that for a miracle? And this is my final takeaway. God used the story of the miracle. He used the story of the miracle. It wasn't a miracle that they showed up again. He used the story of the miracle to point back to him, to take a king in his high place. I mean, that king's life's got to be like, whoa, okay, God may be real, right? We don't know about this particular king and like exactly how he felt, but I can't see him ignoring this part of his life. Um, and at the same time, he's further blessing this woman who's been faithful and who's been serving him. So that's the story I wanted to share with you. 
And I hope you're able to take just a couple things for this. And we're actually going to end our time in some more worship. We're going to end in singing in this space where we can take our song, we can take our voice, we can take our praise, and we can just open it up to God and ask these same questions that, that Ben had brought up a couple times, right? But what should we do? Pray, asking the Holy Spirit, what is one thing I should do about this today? You may not be at the point where you're ready to ask for a double portion. <laughs> That's a big ask. Remember when Elisha did that, he had been serving Elijah. He'd been like figuring it out. He'd been apprenticing, right? He's like, I'm going to be a prophet. You're the greatest prophet I've ever seen. I'm going to follow you. You may not be there, but we can serve the Lord. We can be hospitable. We can be kind. We can love our neighbors. If that's where you need to be, take that from this story. This all started from a woman who just decided to serve the Lord, right? If you're past that and you want something more, we can ask for a double portion. We can ask for that inheritance. We can ask for more of the Holy Spirit to come down upon us. We can ask for the Holy Spirit to be involved constantly. That is okay. Even if we think like, I don't know. I, l- listen, I go through these doubts. We've been talking about miracles. I've never seen anyone's arm like go from broken to this. But you have to maybe trust the people around you. When Ben comes up here and says, I saw this miracle happen, we have to decide, are we listening to him? Or do we need someone to come in behind me with like, look, here's my arm. I'm the guy. Right? We can ask for a double portion. And we always, always can ask to just make sure everything we're doing is aligned with the Holy Spirit and is pointing to Jesus. Okay. Every single miracle that we're asking for has to point to Jesus. Because if it doesn't, that's not in God's plan, right? The whole reason miracles exist are to point to Jesus. And so even if we are the beneficiaries of those miracles, the purpose is still to point to Jesus, Mm -hmm. the true purpose, right? So we're going to sing some more, pray some more. We're going to end in prayer. If you want to just bow your heads um, with me as we pray to end this. Uh, God, thank you for who you are. Uh, Thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for the fact that we can stand here together, we can be here together, and ask for these three things. So right now, I just ask, as we're going to take a couple moments, as the band comes back up and kind of gets settled, I'm just going to ask that we are focused in on you, and we're asking you, God, what can I do about this today? Should I just be looking for ways to serve you? Should I just be looking for ways to be hospitable to you? To be a good neighbor? To love my enemies? Should I be asking for an amazing miracle? Should I be asking for something that people doubt, that people will continue to doubt, that people will forget about, but I will remember and hold on to knowing that you are my God? Or should I just ask right now, God, in this time of prayer, to just take everything I'm doing and making sure that it's pointing to you. We just ask right now as we spend some time in prayer to just do one of those three things. God, point me to what the right direction is. And then as we sing, I ask that these words open me up to that idea, that they open me up to that concept. They open me up to that wonderful, wonderful space that is worshiping you, that is enjoying you, 